Welcome to a podcast by Kaylee, the gateway to unlocking your unlimited potential. I'm creating an army of six and seven figure makeup artists, and I want you to join me. In this podcast, I'm going to be crushing gatekeeping, opening the doors to the knowledge you need and deep diving into the topics that can push us to the next level. Be prepared for epic guests and answers to the questions you have always wanted to know. No more small business, no more just a makeup artist. The beauty industry is a $250 billion industry and you're in it. Let's get ready to open those gates. This is a podcast by Kaylee. Today, I want to welcome the lovely Amy Conway to our podcast. Amy is a Bobby Brown global pro artist, and boy, does she have some stories for us today. We touch on her epic career at Bobby Brown, including training under Bobby herself and being her personal makeup artist when in London. I know I would probably pass out if I had to do Bobby Brown's makeup, for real. We also discuss her time in front of the camera presenting at QVC. But in my opinion, one of the most important topics we touch on today is her family life and becoming a mother. This is a subject I know many of our community here struggle with mum guilt, putting our careers on hold to raise our beautiful babies, and how the industry is in need of change for working mothers. And I think change possibly might be coming. Presenting to you, the amazing Amy Conway. But I guess to begin, Amy, I would love you to tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you do for everybody who doesn't know. Okay, so I'm Amy Conway, and I'm a makeup artist originally from Portsmouth, and I head up the global artistry for Bobby Brown Cosmetics. Um, So I joined their global protein, gosh, back in 2019. Um, But before that, I'd been with the brand for 12 plus years, and uh, now I get to be part of all their product development, all of their um, trainings, and Basically, everything that you see from like makeup to counter, I get to be a big part of. And I I love that. And I find it just every day so different. Your stories look insane. I mean, I've actually followed you on my my makeup account for blooming years, I think. Really? (laughs) Since pre-COVID, definitely since pre-COVID. And I just have always found your, the Bobby team in general, just they have the most fabulous work life, or it seems that you do, but we'll get into that. But you guys do so, so much. I'm a big, big sucker for a story. So would you mind telling us how you started in the makeup world? Yeah. So I actually, I don't know if it was a plan to be fair, but it was definitely started with a meeting. I don't, I don't even know if it's still around. It's called, um, there was like these meetings that you went to after, after like college and like um, school and college. What were they called? What was that called? Like you went to like a careers counsellor kind of person, right? And yeah, I don't, I don't hear of them uh, much more. I can see this yellow logo though. That's what I could see. <laughs> I remember having a meeting and they turned around to me and said, well, what do you like doing? And I now it's all so silly. I wish I'd like kick myself and back myself more. But I felt so stupid for going, well, I just like getting ready with my friends and I just like doing their makeup. Like I like helping them choose outfits. And, and I ended up going like and say to her, well, I just love people and I love like helping people get ready and I love that. And then and I made a joke of being like, well, I can't make a job out of that. And, um, and she went, well, you could be a makeup artist. Do you like makeup? I was like, yeah, but there's no money in that. Because it was kind of like it, without social media, I don't think you knew of that job so much. 
And <laughs> this is really embarrassing, but it is true. I really fancied <laughs> Ant McPartlin from Ant and Dead. <laughs> And I found out one time it was like there's this thing on on episode on the TV that him and his wife got married and his wife was a makeup artist, <laughs> and who we now know is Lisa Armstrong. That was it. From then I was like, oh, it can be a job, it can be a career. Of course, every single person on this TV needs makeup on. And um, from there, I basically went into theatrical makeup. We had a brilliant course um, down here in Portsmouth, um, Southdale's College, it was called, and it did theatrical makeup for two years. And it had a bit of everything, prosthetics. Did, did you ever go into that, like prosthetics and the blood and the guts? I've dabbled in it, but I think um, f- for me, I couldn't ever lose control of it. And I feel like when you do prosthetics, you have to be messy, don't you? Yes. Yeah. I feel like every makeup artist I speak to is like, oh yeah, I've tried it a bit. was it for me, but yeah. I remember every makeup artist to try it because some people just love mm-hmm. it. Like one of my friends, Tamara, is now huge in the film industry and um, she literally started from just, funny enough, on a bobby counter, went the other way, dabbled in prosthetics, and now is huge in the film industry with like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. And so like, and that was just from dabbling in it, you know? It is funny how it works, but yes, I did. I was kind of like here or there with it. And I just ended up absolutely loving natural makeup. I remember coming across, funny enough, from the studies that I was doing at college, like find a makeup artist that you love and really learn about them. And this is where my journey starts to sound a bit creepy, but I chose Bobby Brown. Like, <laughs> but I learned all about her ethos and I love that she wasn't trying to change women because every other makeup artist that I was looking at, a lot of it was prosthetics or they were trying to bruises and cuts and anything to tell a story. But actually when I came across Bobby Brown, I was like, wow, they, she's just looking at a woman and she's enhancing her features. So I just deep dived into learning all about her and I loved it. I didn't look back. The Bobby Brown brushes I wanted for Christmas and I wanted a whole set. And I begged and I begged to be like, oh my gosh, please can I have these Bobby Brown brushes? And my, my dad got them for a Christmas present and they were just like gold dust. I love them. And I'm still doing a little bit on the side. And funny enough, it was, um, I was doing a lot of theatre work as well. And that was really good. I still kept on doing a few wigs and um, a little bit of hair. I wasn't great at hair, but I still did it as a bit. And then I was doing this, um, it was in Covent Garden and it was like a body painting thing I was doing. And someone came up to me and was like, are you using Bobby Brown brushes? Which, oh my gosh, of course, horrific to use a 30 pound brush on someone's leg. But I was like, and that's, and I kind of just went into this again with like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with the brand. Like I love it. And she went, well, would you ever work for them? And I said, to be honest, you know, I don't have much experience in any, like prop, like I was doing jobs here and there and you know how it is like you start off for free, don't you? And I feel like that was kind of the done thing back then. And little did I know that that woman was the head of communications for Estelle Order Companies. It was right place, right time. And she said, well, you know, like if you wanted to work part-time somewhere, I could I could help you find a job. And I said, well, I actually live in Portsmouth and there's no Bobby Brown in Portsmouth at all. And she said, well, the closest is Southampton. So, you know, then I was like, okay, it's a 45 minute drive. I didn't drive yet. I was this, at this point I was 17. <laughs> so I didn't actually car yet. So I was kind of thinking, okay, right, I could work out how to get here. That was it. it. The rest was history. I went to um, an interview and my manager there, who's ended up being my manager for a good four years, she just said, I love your passion. And again, I think that might have come across borderline stalkerish at that time. I don't know. <laughs> but genuinely, I feel like I'm still as passionate about the brand as I was on that day one. Like I was there for four years and then someone said to me, you know, would you move to London? And I just, and the whole fear like set into me. I was 20, I was 21 then. 
So like the whole fear set into me. I was like, oh gosh, 21 moving to London. And I just thought, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's go for it. And I then went onto the education team at Bobby. So that was that was brilliant, working with loads of different artists, different stores in London, and getting to be involved in more of events as well. So if we had like special events for fashion weeks and things like that, that was that was really fun. And I feel like because it, every challenge, there was always a new challenge coming up that it just, I never wanted to leave. I just loved it. This is a real love story with Bobby. Did you ever meet Bobby? Yes. So um, I first met Bobby back on when well, my interview was from Bobby for my uh, pro artist role. So I was at the time an education executive for the West End and London areas. And that was all the education side. But within the company, you could also be part of the artistry side, which is, in my opinion, I'm very biased, but all of the really fun gigs. So they were all the shoots, they were all the campaigns, they were all the celebrities, all the red carpets and all the filming. And someone said to me, why don't you go to the pro role? And at this point, I I, I was in Selfridges, London, and I'd been with the London stores for a good four years again. So yeah, I was coming up to about seven years actually with the brand. And I was like, no, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. They're like, you're so ready. And this is a really interesting thing because don't you find you never feel like you're ready? Never. Never, ever. Do we overcome that? Because I have imposter syndrome all the time and still do. I had that massively back then. And I was kind of like, no, I'm not ready for this. Like, you know, I couldn't do it. And you look up at the people that are in that role and think, well, I'm not them. But one thing that now, if I could go back and tell myself, I'd say, well, they weren't them either when they first started. You know, these are the likes of um, George Pelosi and Hannah Martin. They were my people that I looked up to. And that was it. I kind of thought, right, well, I'll, I'll wait till it's my time. And someone said to me, no, just go for it. And I went for an interview, did pass, but I didn't hear much after that. It was kind of like, we'll be in touch with your next interview. And they said that something would be coming up. And Bobby Brown came to London for London Fashion Week. And she was leading the Loren Scott show. I was just like, oh my gosh, well, of course you play it cool, don't you? You're just like, oh. It was all very, because I think there were so many famous people backstage and it was all very busy. And it was Bobby's first London Fashion Week show ever. So it was a big first for her. But I feel like motions were just really heightened. So everything just felt really busy and quick. And um, I was doing makeup and Bobby came over to me and she was like, are you coming to the lineup? And I was just like, oh my gosh, like so panicked by it. And I said, okay, right. So, and the lineup at the back is obviously where the lead artist is meant to Correct, not correct, I suppose, but like make everyone's work exactly the same. Mm. So it's the lead artist's job to take, it's such a big job. So um, she took my brushes off me and she took my BBU palette off me and she went, you do it. And just watched me. And I was like, oh my gosh, we've only just met. Um, And she went, you do it. And I feel like I just suddenly went like a complete sweat mess. Like just thinking, oh my gosh, she's watching my every move. And obviously some girls needed more corrector. Some girls needed more lippy. I think she was just looking at my every decision. And I just thought, oh. And then at the end of it, I turned around and she went, great job. And I was like, what's that mean? And she just kind of like walked off. And I walked out to her assistant was out there and said, what happened? What happened? And I was like, she took my brushes off me and she told me to do it. And they were like, Oh, okay. And they said, well, what happened? What did she say? I said, she just said, great job. And they went, oh, that's amazing. If someone said to me, oh, great job, I'd always like, I would be sarcastic. Like, is it okay? Like, have I done enough? But actually now I know great job in her eyes is actually amazing. 
Oh yeah, HR would have a field day with her because she actually tweeted me back with Twitter and said, congratulations, I can't wait to see you in New York. And I said, this was like two weeks after the show. I just remember thinking, what's going on? And I showed my boss and I went into the office and she said, okay, you better, you, you better, <laughs> you better come and take a seat. And I was like, what's going on? She was like, you've got the job. You're part of our pro team and you're heading to New York next week. And I was like, what? And they said, you're going to spend two weeks with Bobby. She's going to go through everything with you. And gosh, did she go through everything. We had a crash course. Like I did her makeup because that's the other thing um, that not a lot of people know about her is obviously she's an incredible makeup artist, but she she loves other people doing her makeup. Like she loves it. Oh I my like, God. Especially after like the environment she's in, she's always having to present or she's having to go on something that actually her head is into something else. Are you telling me that you did Bobby Brown's makeup? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, honestly, I did it for like nearly two weeks straight. I'll be honest, she rarely had a lot of makeup. And I, I feel like if you see her anyway, I feel like her looks, they're so minimal. It was always like eyeliner, blush, lip balm. So it was always easy. But yeah, we did like the Today Show. Um, and then she took me to LA. This is in that same two-week period. Now I had no idea what was coming. And she said, we're going to LA because we're going to do one of my clients' makeups for the Jimmy Kimmel show. And I was like, brilliant. And one of her clients was Gabby Sidibe, who was um, part of the film Precious. So Bobby was there. I was assisting Bobby. Like she was doing the makeup. And then suddenly, like we went downstairs to do this filming. And in the corner, it was a huge studio. And Gabby was filming over here. They were filming the same thing, but for different parts. And in the corner was Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx. And I just died. I was so excited to see Gabby Sidibe. But then I also saw these two beautiful men in the corner. And I was like, Bobby, Bobby, look. She was like, who's there? And I was like, who's Channing Tatum? And Jamie Foxx. And um, funny enough, the video is still online. It's this spoof video that they did for the Jimmy Kimmel show called um, Channing All Over Your Tatum. But anyway, this guy shouts out, can we get powder for Channing? And Bobby looked at me and she went, you go. And I was like, no one else was in the studio. I thought, where's this makeup artist? I don't know if they just had like, you know, just someone that was like upstairs that done a quick powder before they went down. No, no one is here for him. And I literally, she went, go and I linked it and so I literally just grabbed a bit of powder and he was like thanks <laughs> I bring Jamie box I was like what's powder as well and um he was like yeah, yeah why not and then like literally powder and I just literally walked back like as soon as you turn your back I like walked back like <gasps> my whole face was just like cool 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 and Bobby went you could thank me later god she sounds so cool <laughs> oh honestly and I feel and that was it it, it kind of it's yeah, it spiraled from there really because she was brilliant. She was our mentor. She she looked after us every step of the way. And if there was like she was also very present on social, which was really nice because you know you could literally do something and she'd be like, I love that. And um, yeah, I felt like she was always in contact, which was nice. That is the most insane story, Amy. I bet you have so many of these up your sleeve. <laughs> I just I just feel like well I can't really claim that one because it I, it wasn't my job this is just embedded in us as makeup artists though isn't it it's like there's an opportunity I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna run with it and I feel like that's the hustle that's in us absolutely absolutely how, how long ago was that that you went away with Bobby that would have been 2013 yeah wow gosh you've been with the brand so long yeah gosh New Year's is coming up to um, this month, actually, with Estee Lauder Companies. 
Oh my goodness. So for the rest of the the seven and a half years left of your career, what have you been doing in that time? I mean, I know that you've been on QVC. What, What else has happened in the last seven years? Pro went on social. That's what happened. I feel like there was the pro artist team that we had. And then when social happened, it became this whole different team because suddenly we were seeing more, you know, we were like used more for different things. And I feel like that's where people would be. I'd be like, oh, I saw you on QVC and things like that. But gosh, I was horrendous in front of the camera and still am really. I feel like- You are not. I, like I'm- No way. A bit more. Um, but- I mean, when I first started QVC, I had to actually, I was told to get elocution lessons because of the way I spoke. I would say things like artists and water. And it's, that's kind of like a, it is a bit like a Portsmouth accent. They call Portsmouth like fake cockneys. But I feel like it only heightened when I was on air for some reason. It just used to come out a lot more. And so they said, you know, like we're looking at elocution lessons and I kind of just, and of course that's a knock on you because you're very much like, okay, great. They don't like how I am. I have to change. And that wasn't from a QC or a Bobby Brown brand at the time. I feel like it was just, we didn't see that many real, like now we have the only ways, well, it was like the only way is Essex. There's more reality things. There's more real people I'd say now and accents, if you like. Whereas back then QVC was very kind of like everyone spoke very properly. Whereas now I feel like it's relaxed a lot. And that's where I started. When it relaxed a lot, that's when I felt more like myself, but on an accent as such. But we did have media trainings that, that we did. And she would come in and just help us. I feel like help us learn to breathe, but also help us learn to control, um, especially with live TV, help us to control anything that we felt nervous about and just and help us to put things, almost think about them before we're saying it because sometimes that's really hard when you know you've got a message to come across and you just can't get out in the way that you want to say it it's very similar with podcasting I feel like over the past 10 or 11 or 12 episodes I've done it's a skill that you didn't really know you needed until you do it I mean did you find when you first started doing it that it was like I I would almost think right I instantly I'd go mind blown as soon as I started like as soon as someone would put (laughs) a camera in front of me I suddenly I went mind blank and I felt like that was a really hard thing to control. Luckily, I haven't done anything, only like my Instagram lives. I've not done any live TV beyond that, but I can imagine like as soon as that like little red recording light comes on, I'd be like, what am I doing here? (laughs) Funny enough, I actually, I remember when Instagram lives came about and now I feel like they actually help people so much in that part of the industry because you can, like, you are in control of that. Whereas at the time when, mm-hmm. when it first used to happen, I thought, no one's here to tell me to shut up. If, do you know what I mean? If I go off, like, no one, at least on QVC, you've got a presenter that will that be like grab you in and be like, come on, Amy, back to what we were talking about. Um, <laughs> whereas then when Instagram Lives happened, I thought, well, this is great because it, it's, it's a way of controlling it and feeling a bit more comfortable. But actually, mm. no one tells you when you've done it wrong now. I was very nervous at the beginning and I thought, oh gosh, I really didn't sign up for this to the point where I even thought that I can't do my job, you know, because I knew that that was a big part of the role and I knew where they wanted to take the role and how we would be more all QVC and would doing like social and things like that. And at the time I just remember thinking, oh gosh, am I cut out for it? But it's the people around you. It really is. It's the people around you that help build you up. And, and I remember just really working with people to help me to learn to be on camera. Um, a lot of my colleagues around me, we sit and YouTube then became a thing. <laughs> so that someone said, why don't you do a YouTube channel? 
And um, so I was like, oh, I'll give it a go. And all of those things have been, have helped me feel a lot more comfortable now. And I feel now that I can be a bit more my, myself when I'm talking to people. And it's almost welcomed, you know, like now I'll say on QVC, like, oh my gosh, when I'm, the kids haven't let me select tonight, this is what I've put on. And, you know, you know, I felt like crap in the morning and then now I feel great. And it's almost like it's, it's those pockets of real life stories that you add in and that before I used to try and steer away from thinking that they weren't interesting, but actually there's someone out there going, oh yeah, I'm the same. They totally resonate with those real life moments. There is always a mum watching who is sleep deprived, hasn't had time to do her makeup, who can 100% relate to what you're going through. And I feel like it takes us, how we were talking before, it takes us back to that community. I feel like now more than ever, the most important thing that, that we can create is communities for people, you know, and it's, it's so lovely to see like so many brands wanting to jump on and create that community as well, because it's, it takes us away from, I mean, yes, we have amazing products that we're selling, but actually it's more about the stories that how it affects the people that are using them. Like that's my favorite thing ever. When I work in product development and funny enough, this is a true story. You'll probably see that there's a, a blush we bought back. It's a blush called um, Calypso Coral, a huge favorite of from up in the North. And whenever I used to travel a lot and do events, especially like Newcastle, Liverpool, Manchester, they would literally be like, oh my gosh, we love Calypso Coral Pop Rouge, got discontinued, where's it gone? And I'd be like, oh, you know, it's it was a business decision. You know, things like that sometimes are business decisions. And I was in a product development meeting one day and I said, can we bring back Calypso Coral Pop Rouge? Because I can't tell you, I've got a list as long as my arm for people that just need it back in their lives, like need it, like they're scraping the barrel. And they were like, oh, really? It didn't, like, it wasn't a big seller in like North America or like APAC. And I was like, but it's huge in the UK. Like, could we, could we make it a thing? Um, and they were like, okay, like, cause it was going into a new formula. Let's put it into this, let's see. And conversations like that. And that was it. And then it made this huge comeback. And I just felt like, actually, yes, that conversation come from people in the North telling me that they love that color, you know? And it's that, it, it really, and for me, it makes me very proud to know genuinely that a brand like this that is so big still listens to Jane in Northumberland who loves that cut you know it's kind of like that really is where it comes from so um yeah I love stories like that and and seeing how people love the products in their makeup bag so we all have you to thank for Calypso Coral coming back Irene I don't want it to take credit but I did bring it up in the meetings, yeah. Or I'll have like a message from someone being like, please tell them to bring back this. And I keep note of everything. If I see a lot of products like that flashing up, I'm like, that is a big hit. That That is something that genuinely they love in their makeup bag. And you don't ask, you don't get. Like I was so prepared for product development to say, no, we can't do that. It's not coming back. But you just never know. So yeah, it's a nice touch when they do. So one thing I've noticed from our conversation so far is you are very much a yes girl in the best way possible. You are taking those opportunities like go on camera, present at QVC. Yes. Go and powder Channing Tatum. Yes. And I think this is something that serves you really well in business. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I would say that would probably be one of my biggest tips from starting out is say yes to everything. And yes, don't get me wrong, your diary will get busy and I remember someone being like can you be here at 7am it's two hours away from me yes of course can you do this at, you know at 10 o'clock at night yes of course and 
a lot of the time just thinking, oh my gosh, I'm absolutely breaking my back here. But it does, it genuinely does pay off. All those yeses turn into what the career that you want. So I feel like that is the way just to first of all, dive in. And if you're not sure about something as well, just dive into it anyway, because, you know, you can always say, I tried it, it didn't work, you know? So, and I think that's also come from like, when you're trying things out as a young makeup artist, I tried prosthetics, it didn't work. You know, it was no half done, I tried it. <laughs> and I feel like I still hear things like that in my head when I'm thinking of looking at new things today. It's all of the yeses that help establish what you do and don't like. I remember sitting on the Mac counter, my humble beginnings are Mac, and thinking I am desperate to work on a film set. I will do anything I want to be like winning an Oscar one day for, you know, best makeup artist. And then I actually started to do some short films and oh my goodness, was it not for me? But I would be sitting here today if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't explored that avenue, if I hadn't said yes to those opportunities, I'd be sat here today wondering what if, and that would be like a question mark in my brain. But now I know another artist is going to absolutely love that. It's not for me. I'm more of that beauty artist. And I think as a young new makeup artist, you have to explore all of the opportunities. I think like, I don't know if you found the same bit, you love it. like, And it does, it looks very glamorous and cool from the outside. But of course, those days are like 16, 17 hour days. I mean, a lot of makeup artists I know now are also wanting it to work with their lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like it's finding that route that works. And of course, if you're that person that just wants to travel the world and, you know, see everything and you you don't mind doing those long hour days, like that is so cool. Like for me, I felt like also knowing that I was going to have kids or, or however, like my future looked. But thinking, right, I also need to almost future-proof my career as well. I feel like any filmmaker artist that I know, they love film. Like they love the art behind it. They love like creating characters. They love that lifestyle. And I think you have to love it to do it because it is quite a hard lifestyle. You have to kind of be married to it for a little bit, you know? Um, can we talk about, do you do, you do makeup just for Bobby or are you freelance for your own clients as well? So yeah, I'm, I'm freelance for my own clients as well, which is really nice and genuinely so supportive from the brand. It's very, it's very rare that you have a brand that will also let you do a lot of things outside, but it, it does work well. So of course there's things that I couldn't literally from a social point of view, I couldn't go on social and say, I'm absolutely loving this deal lip balm and to be honest if any of my brides will tell you when I open up my bridal kit it is 85% Bobby Brown I would say I love it I bet it looks so good <laughs> I bet it's just like ah. Oh. <laughs> well it's like but then because of all the like my look is very natural and it's very like I love radiant skin and freshness so most of the products is is Bobby because I can achieve it with those those looks. But funny enough, I had a shoot the other day and um, my uh, client said to me, right, we're going purples, we're going greens, we're going blues. And of course, that's not Bobby Brown. <laughs> I don't have any of those. So, oh, you would absolutely laugh, Kaylee. I ran to um, Maxwell Carnaby Street and I basically, uh, I ran so fast, the security guard basically stood stood by thinking I've got a thief here because I ran in I had literally like a big old um uh bag and I just ran in very quickly because I was also trying to get my train on time and I was like right I just need eyeliners lip liners in like every color right now and I just like started grabbing them 
in my hands and he's looking at me thinking she's going to steal. She's going to run out. I'm just thought, okay, maybe I should slow down a bit. But yeah, I then grabbed loads of colour and at the shoot, we just had this full-on beautiful editorial look um, that was really funny. So things like that, yes, of course, I'll use um, other brands for. But for my clients, I'll often meet them. So for instance, one of my clients, Molly King, I met on a Aveda shoot. But she was doing a shoot for her. She was an ambassador for Aveda. And I was called in just to do makeup, um, just quick light makeup and touch-ups for the day. And we just got on really well. And that was it. After that, she said, oh, I'm doing, you know, Beauty and the Geek. Um, and we're doing a series on that. Would you be able to do makeup for that? And I was like, yeah, of course. Um, and then she said, oh, next I've got... Um, shoot for barber can you do that I was like yeah of course so then I was kind of like okay great built a great relationship there but I brought her back to Bobby so it worked in both ways although Bobby didn't get me the job Bobby let me go out and do that work because essentially she was wearing Bobby Brown on her face so it was a really nice balance and I, I feel like it is very supportive the way it works like that and a, a lot of my clients to be honest, from like BBC Radio One and like Clara Ampho as well. One of my, I feel like it's, I've got a nice little mix there, which is nice because they're all so lovely. Even things like a lot of, uh, I work with a lot of jewelry designers and brands like that, which is nice because personally for me, I love it for portfolio shots. And I would actually encourage any makeup artist starting out, if you're after portfolio shots, reach out to any jewelry brands because of course all their shots are like right close up to the face, right? They're either getting an ear or, you know, they're getting your hand up by the mouth. Personally, I love those makeup shots for me. Um, so I always joke being like, oh, yeah, yeah, put the ring higher. <laughs> but you're like, just in the eye, get that eyeliner in. <laughs> but that's no, like that relationship that I've got with a lot of um, jewelry brands are brilliant. And often so some of them I'll even reach out on Instagram as well and just say, you know, like if you ever need um, any support for any of your shoots, like let us know, like Bobby would love to support. And it, it works in hand in hand because it can be me heading out. It would be a support from the brand um, that would also love to be involved with it. So I feel like it is a really good half and half of clients that the brand will get me and then clients that I bring to the brand. So it is a nice balance. Honestly, I, I've always loved Bobby Brown. I've loved like the Bobby Brown. I've loved Bobby Brown products, but you're really selling me on how they seem to be a brand for the artist as well. You're really selling me on that. I didn't know this. It's kind of, I mean, the thing is, it's it's very, uh, with any brand, and uh, we were kind of talking about this before, one thing that, I, and I rarely, rarely see it now, is how when I first got into makeup, how like, you know, it can be quite a tough industry. You know, it can be very, you know, you've got to be strong in this industry because it can be very cutthroat. And, um, and actually, I kind of saw that more in the earlier years. And obviously, it's more like just the hustle. But now it's such a brilliant community that I rarely see it at all. Like everyone is just so lovely. And I feel like genuinely it's why I've never left because I know that I've been approached by like other brands, but I know that actually in some cases it's not always the same. Just from like friends talking, it's not always the same atmosphere like behind the scenes. Whereas one thing I can't fault is how like supportive a brand has been of me. And I feel like that's why it works so well. Yeah, I remember saying to them, I promise I'm not going to leave. You could, I'll sign a contract for you, if, <laughs> but I really want this cover deal, whatever. You know, it kind of be like, and um, but I'll, I'll say things and within the brands, they'll be like, let's, let's roll with it. Let's see. So if, like, for instance, there's um, like with Grazia and a beauty shoot coming up and it, I'd be like, this is a brilliant way to showcase how beautiful our Christmas collection is. Like it's not 
you know, it's not free. And unfortunately, it's not like how we would normally showcase it with just on social and stuff like that. But it's a print and it's a five page magazine and it's old school, which I love because I'm all about print. And I think like it's beautiful to see our makeup in that way. And it's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's run with it. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, that that's really rare to find, I think. Oh, I'm actually like sitting here like so proud of you, Amy, because this is just the most incredible journey. And I'm just so happy that you're with a brand that's so caring and nice about everything, particularly the main thing that I found when I was doing my research on you is there was one image on your Instagram that really, really stood out and really like made me quite pro Bobby in that moment. And it's the image of you with your baby girl. And you're on set and you're you're holding her and you're doing makeup with the other hand. And I think in the caption, correct me if I'm wrong, but you actually say in the caption that Bobby, you were thanking Bobby for supporting you, for being a mum and a makeup artist. Is that right? Yeah, because I feel, well, actually, um, on one of the ones, I'm not sure if this is the same one because this was also on one of the ones I was on a shoot. And to cut a really long story short for any mums out there that will know, um, my my little girl did did not take a bottle. So she would only breastfeed, which means that I couldn't leave her for more than two hours. So, and in fact, one day I did try it because someone gave me the advice, like, just go, if you're not there, she'll take the bottle. And I actually went into head office for the day and I came back. I left her at about nine in the morning and I came back about nine at night. So it was a good 12 hours day because yeah, like with um, commuting. And um, I walked through the door and she was just in tears starving like genuinely she hadn't taken anything and I just went into panic mode first of all I was like oh my gosh I'm an awful mother but it's like that way is not going to work for us we need a better way so at the time I said to work unfortunately like I can't go anywhere I can't I can't leave her she has to come with me and then I reached out to my clients and because one of my clients had a shoot and said we really you know if you can we'd love you to be on this shoot and I said I can but unfortunately my little girl will have to come like she can't leave me I, but I was in my head as well because I feel like you think this don't you when when you think of business I'm like it needs to still be professional she can't you know she can't be crying on set and things like that and so my mum came with me and then I would just I would work as normal and then throughout the day feed her and I just remember thinking that was so like I was so grateful that even because essentially from a brand point of view they obviously don't want to send someone to a job thinking, right, is this going to completely ruin, you know, what the job that they're trying to do today? They were fine. They trusted me. They were brilliant. And then the second one that came up was um, I had to lead a show for Veronica Beard. They were just launched in London. This was last year. And they, yeah, just launched their store in London and they were doing um, a catwalk show on New Bond Street. And so I went up there and had a brilliant team with me anyway. So I knew that I was like in safe hands, but I just also knew that I had, if I, if she started crying and needed feeding, I'd have to step out and feed her. Bless my mum was in a prep around the corner, just keeping her occupied. One of the people that was heading up the catwalk show said like, oh, are you okay? And I said, oh, I've, um, I just have to step out. I said, my team have got this covered, but I just have to step out because my little girl um, is still breastfeeding and you, you know, like she, she just needs um, something to eat. And I, but I felt so nervous. I was like talking about it. And this woman just went to me, oh my gosh, don't you dare apologize. Bring her up, bring her up. And I was just like, are you sure? Are you? She was like, bring her up. So my mum and my little girl, literally, and I was, we also got a picture. She was on one boob and the model was like, I don't care, go for it. You could still do my makeup. And I was doing makeup at the same time. And that's for me, I was just like, 
this is such a girl power industry that really support women that just want to get back to work. And again, that community, it's that keeps popping back up of people that's just like, yeah, let's support each other. And it's just, I just remember feeling oh, so grateful for that. And yeah, again, it's, I know I'm, I don't take it for granted because I do, I hear so many stories of people like, I just work them, allow me to do that or work, work, them, let me go back with that. So I feel like when you have that respect with a brand and they respect you too, it just works brilliantly. I feel like this is something I've had so many conversations and I'm sure you have as well over the past, like just over my career, to be honest, with working mums, you know, one in particular, my assistant, Claire, she has three children and she's always told me how difficult it's been for her. She loves what she does. And I'm sure you've heard stories like this as well. Artists love what they do and they want to excel. They want to take those opportunities. They want to grow their career, but also they want to be the best mum possible. And it seems sometimes like a really, really delicate balancing act. And I'm sure this this topic deserves an episode in itself, doesn't it? <laughs> do you have any advice or tips about this delicate balancing act that some mums have to play? Do you have anything to say to them right now? Personally, for me, I found going back to work easier than being a stay-at-home mum. And I say it because it is very hard being a stay-at-home mom. I do not take that for granted either that like you can the get- The hardest job. job, right? Yeah, because it's that whole like, it is that whole saying, happy mom, happy baby, you know? And if you are happy in yourself and do what you truly love, they will be too. And then for me, it was kind of like, I really want my kids to look and be like, oh my gosh, like mom works her butt off. Not to the point where, and I kind of have this rule. It was like, what, how I say would work. If, if I miss- more than two bedtimes in a week, I will be really strict and say no more that week. Still really flexible and I understand that meetings overrun or I get caught on a shoot late and things like that. But if I then get to like my two nights of that week where I've missed two bedtimes, I then have to be like, look, I can't, like if someone then says to me, oh, can you do this next week? I'll be like, no, no, because I've literally hardly seen them this week. So, that, you know, um, and I feel like that's how I balance weekly in my head but I also think what you have to remember is that it's everything you're doing at work is for them so it's it's very important not to feel guilty and it, it's easier said than done but not to feel guilty because even when you are back at work you're still always doing it all for them like you're striving for them you're working harder for them you're taking on more opportunities because you know you want them to be more you know prouder or or whatever it is it's it's still just as important. So I feel like it's more, it's more the internal work that we that we need to do for ourselves, right? It's just, it's important that we don't feel guilty because they will be proud and they will thank us eventually. But at the same time, negotiating those boundaries and balances, whether it's certain clients that you're working with that week, or whether it's just the, the how you, you know, it could be bridles and you're negotiating travel and things like that. But how you know that that week's going to set up, so at least you've got half the week still seeing them as normal I feel like I need you to create your podcast Amy because I feel like you could be the change that this industry needs in regards of like mums working mums family life that work-life balance that's sometimes so desperately needed on set life you know I think you could do that you could be that change Amy I would love to do that I feel I've got I feel like I've got a lot to learn and I do go off on tangents. <laughs> before I tune it, it might sound really interesting. <laughs> it's the power of editing. <laughs> 
podcast is brought to you by The Level Up Club, my monthly membership for makeup artists. Imagine a place created with done-for-you monthly resources and coaching, literally everything you need to create and scale a profitable, thriving makeup business. Well, it exists and it's called The Level Up Club. I am so proud of this membership. I literally poured my heart and soul into it. Inside, you will find monthly Canva templates, monthly stock images, social media calendars, email templates, workflows, pro program lists, agency lists, monthly coaching and conversations with the people who can help smash gatekeeping. I'm talking agency owners, PRs, top makeup artists and experts. They're all inside. And not only that, but monthly in-person events. We have already held portfolio days, headshot days, branding days, and so much more is coming. The club is taking the mystery out of making money. Your makeup business doesn't have to be make-believe, and I'm showing you how. And guess what? It's only £30 a month. In London, that's literally two hot chocolates. I'm not even kidding. So come and join us, the only membership I promise you'll ever need. Now, back to the pod. There are many, many artists, because you were very requested to come on the podcast, as I mentioned, kind of in our chat before. Every time I put out a Q&A, who should come on? Your name always crops up. And I feel like a lot of artists, they would love to follow it in your footsteps, you know, work for a brand, create content for that brand, go on jobs representing that brand. Do you have any advice to give them on how to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, I would say it kind of takes me back to that yes, like mentality. But it also, I would say believe in yourself. It, the thing is, with when you look at the obviously the brands are very glossy and you know shiny from the outside, and and when you're looking at people like that, you're thinking, oh gosh, I'm not ready to do that, or or you know that you have to have a lot of confidence to do that. And although I am a people person, love chatting, I'd almost say I'm quite an introvert. Like I wouldn't say that I'm very out there as such and I think that comes down to every single one of us has that imposter syndrome built in them like you never feel like you're ready for it or you never feel like you're the right person for that job and I would say in all honesty deep down back yourself like definitely back yourself because you can do that if that's something that you really want I also always believe if there's something that you really love it's impossible not to be good at it like if all you can see in that, it takes us right back to manifesting and having that tunnel vision. Um, it's such a great tool to be able to focus on what you really want and then take each step as it comes. Um, also, someone really taught me once, and I thought it's slightly more business, but it did really work, is the reverse engineering your goals. So for me, um, when you're looking at, okay, what's the top goal? So my top goal, and still is really, is I would love to be director of global artistry however that might mean a move to New York so we're not sure on it yet well that would be fabulous though (laughs) it's still there my top goal I genuinely don't see me leaving the brand um for like until I've reached my goal anyway you know it's kind of like you want to you want to do it I feel like I've worked so hard to get here and I'm I've always wanted to stay with the brand and I also love to be honest, there's security with it. I love doing a lot of freelance stuff. I also love doing a lot of brand stuff. I feel like they work hand in hand. And I also feel like it's true to what I believe as well. It's not like, a, it's, I always feel like there's not a single thing that I say or talk about or do that's been pushed by the brand. 
uh, which is why I really like it. So I would say when you're looking at a brand and there's so many fun, amazing brands like that, go to what's true to yourself and deep down what's true to yourself. If you're so creative and you love the fun and the beauty of makeup being so transformable, go with a brand that really shouts that and talks about that because the last thing you want is to be put in a box by a brand, you know, because, of it, you know, there's some rules that come with it. So it's so important that your beliefs are as true and are in line with that brand. But secondly, sorry, going back to my reverse engineering, you see how I talk about going back and forth when I chat? This is how my brain works. Gaily. I love it though. I love it. I feel like most artists are like this. It's <laughs> just scatty. <laughs> um, but then I kind of like work backwards and I'm kind of like, right, okay, so if that's where I want to be, what what do I have to be to be that person? So to be that person, I have to be like doing these kind of things and being involved with these kind of people. And then, okay, what do I need to have be at that role? And then from there, like working back to where you see yourself now and then almost you've created your ladder there of how to get where you want to be. And of course, circumstances change and you might want to skip or change change course. And that's absolutely fine too. But I always feel like writing up my goals, writing up kind of like working back from where I want to be, it really does help. And yeah, I feel like as long as, as long as you're loving what you're doing, stick with it. And someone once told me as well, who is still in the brand and, um, very successful in the brand over in the US. He once said to me, you work for the brand until you're not getting what you want out of it anymore. And it's very cutthroat, but it's very true. It's kind of, there are a lot of people that are in brands and they won't mind me talking, but it's kind of like where they felt like they've almost like outgrown the brand. And, you know, they were right. They want to go on and do different things. And then I feel like if, as long as you're always still getting the opportunities that you love out of it, it's so, it's perfect. It works amazingly. And it's kind of like, you just got to keep going until, you know, you don't feel like you're getting challenges or opportunities out of it as much as you'd like. And then that's when you're ready to move on. That's a perfect answer, Amy. Perfect answer. Can we play a little game? So at the end of every episode, I do a little game called Smashing the Gate because kind of the whole ethos of my business is I really want to tear down gatekeeping that stops women achieving and earning more money and just really, really smashing their goals. So this is kind of a quick fire round, but do feel free to elaborate if you want to, because some of these answers, you know, we have to elaborate. But yeah, you ready? Yes. Okay. By the way, I've got to try and decipher this handwriting. Pray for me. Question number one. What is your absolute desert island must-have Bobby Brown product? Pot Rouge. Easy. Oh, I've, I've never tried this. It's, it's a blush for cheeks and lips, but it just makes skin look amazing. It's um, whenever I, for myself, clients, brides, whenever they need a pick-me-up, it is Pot Rouge is the first thing I go to because it's kind of like a moisturizing blush. And... The difference is, and I'm really not hating on highlighters because I adore highlighters, but if you can get your skin to glow without using any shimmer, that's when it looks the most natural. Like we know that, don't we? It's kind of like, and, and that's why I just love the product. I just love it because it just makes it look like you've just had a facial. I love that. I need to try that. How have I not tried it? It's beautiful. I'll have to send you some. It's beautiful. Oh my gosh. Please. I mean, I'm all about, I. you know what? I'm so, controversial opinion maybe, but I'm so over 
glittery highlights. I'm so over them, Amy. Yeah. It's very, I feel like it is, it's great for photos. Even like you probably notice now on camera, it's not even great. I can't use a lot of things like that on camera anymore just because they just don't, I feel like, you know, so much more better, better lighting, better cameras, but actually you just would rather the skin glow than like glitter, you know? What is a Bobbi Brown product that is criminally underrated? Oh, um, I would say extra face oil. It's for me, I had a lot of hormonal breakouts and um, there's not really, you can do like a lot um, for hormonal breakouts, but I had them back, uh, gosh, like 10 years ago now. It was to do with changing the pill or something back then. Um, but I had so many breakouts, I couldn't control them. And it was, someone said to me, oh, you could use a dry fine oil. And then I was saying, but you know, like, oh, would it work? Would it work? And most times, if you were to Google it, people say like, stay away from oils and things like that. But I used our extra face oil. And I swear to this day, it was the one thing that balanced everything for me. It was incredible. And um, although I can't actually say it was the one thing that got rid of it, but it did just completely balance everything. And I still use it most nights. I just press it into the skin. It's you know, there's really not much in it. Like it's not one of those products that just like do everything, but it's a product that calms everything and it hydrates and it just rebalances. And I just love that because it's, it makes, when you wake up in the morning, it gives you that nice glow before you've even started your day. I feel like it's underrated, but I get it. It's expensive and it's a skincare product that's not massively talked about. So a lot of skincare products do well when, you know, it hits the social trend and, you know, things like that. Whereas this is one of those like, hidden products but for me yeah I love it I have so many I love an oil one piece of advice for a makeup artist listening today who would like to get a booking in their diary this week social is it's such a good tool to have and um and some people may be so new to it as well especially makeup artists that have been in the industry for like 20 odd years social is coming up on like the last quarter of their industry so um it still feels really new to them. But I would say, you know, the best thing you could do is showcase your work. And the benefit that we have with social is that we have even more ability to be able to showcase our work. And I think just showcasing, whether it's just different looks that brides have. I mean, I've, I've had brides that have had bright berry lips and red lips. They're not the classic bridal look, but someone out there is looking for that look. So even sometimes I'll even find that Maybe like I'll end up posting a, a picture of a bride from like last season that had a red lip and that someone will be inspired by that look and be like, oh, wow, I really love this. Can I book him? Can I book us in for a trial or whatever? That always works. That's really nice. Also, I mean, I don't know if it's a tip, but if you have the ability, so <laughs> my husband won't mind me saying he is, well, he's in, he's in um, tech and sales. So he's basically office guy at his desk all day long and constantly on emails and things like that. And he actually looks after all of my emails for me. So now from a business point of view, I personally, unless obviously you can have a PA or assistant, you know, and you can afford to do that. I think it works really well because it's very hard to sell ourselves, very hard. Whereas when someone else sells you, it's just so much it's just one of those little tips that when he obviously goes through, I personally don't like the money side. I get it's business and I probably should be more into the money side. 
but he deals with all of that. So for instance, he sends out all of the quotes and he'll send and he'll, he'll arrange all the logistics. Then when people come back and, you know, some people may turn around and say, well, at the moment uh, we're looking at prices X, Y, Z. And he will then go, well, you know, this is because of this, this and this. And he'll go back with pricing quite a lot. Now this could probably be a, its own podcast in itself, but it's a brilliant tip if you can as well to have someone help organize that side for you. Because I found that when I used to do it on my own, it was very hard that people would go, oh, you know, that's not in my budget. I can't do that. And then I'd kind of be left being like, we all, we need to know our worth, right? That's our price. That's that's what you have mitted all of that work. That's the kit. That's everything. That's the cases. I mean, I'm, I joked the other day because I've got about through four different makeup cases this year already because they just keep breaking. They're just overworked. All the wheels keep going on them. But anyway, to that point, I feel like it's that third person in that chat when you're discussing with a client and bookings is really helpful um, to to help discuss any of those situations. It takes it away from you so that when you turn up, you can literally just be there to do the makeup, you know, and it's a very different dynamic. Um, and then I was saying this to one of uh, my friends. I was like, just do it. Like, it's going to work absolutely fine. Like, that would really help you in business. She came back to me. She said, so I couldn't find my husband to do it, like as in he wouldn't want to do it. So, but I did just create a separate email account and I now have an assistant called Sasha. And I was like, who's Sasha? She said it was just her alter ego that helps with that side. And I said, well, okay, well, that's a smart way of doing it. Like it works. But again, I think it's just having, it takes it away from you dealing with having to sell yourself. And when it comes down to negotiating and bookings and things like that, like it, it definitely takes the pressure off. I completely agree. I think we don't sometimes as makeup artists, we go into makeup because we love doing makeup, but it is a business essentially, you know, we are operating a business and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to love every facet of business. When we didn't go into this to answer loads of emails, you know, sometimes, you know, a hundred emails a day, we didn't go in this to do infinite amounts of finances. You know, we went into it to be artists. So I always say the second that you can hire somebody or whenever you have that financial ability to get a PA or a VA, do it because you will get so much happiness from that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Another one was, is um, I remember when I came back from Matt Lee's and obviously I hadn't been in the industry. I did really take a good year out with Matt Lee and I'm glad I did, but obviously you come back and, you know, work's just a bit slower. And I just remember pinging an email to all the agents that I'd worked with in the past, you know, because those agents Although they have your client, which obviously you can still work with, they also have another 10, 11, 12 clients that they manage. So that's quite nice. I basically just, um, I remember de- emailing a few of my clients' agents, just being like, oh, if anyone else is on your books, I'm also available, you know, for most of these dates or whatever coming up, or let me know if you need any extra um, makeup artists on your books. And they were fab. They were like, yeah, brilliant. And often, sometimes you'll get like the odd, um, gigs through that as well, which has been quite nice. Excellent advice. I love that. I feel like there was like five bits of advice in there. I love it. <laughs> yes, we're going to get those bookings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we need a whole episode on that, I feel like. <laughs> oh, Amy, I've loved this conversation. I really, really have. Would you mind telling everyone where they can find you? Yes. So um, you can find me over on Instagram at bbpro underscore Amy Conway um, and I was going to say I'm on Twitter, um, on threads. Have you tried the new threads? 
I love threads. I love threads. Oh, threads, I think is, is the same, isn't it? It's BB Brown's story, Nicole Way. Um, but yeah, I'm loving it. I feel like it's Instagram has shown us like, as, like what you look like. And I feel like threads is showing your personality. I couldn't agree more. And I just am praying that it stays like as positive and I don't know. There's not much selling on there. It's just people being really, really raw. And I just love that. And I really don't want it to become like over-commercialized or anything. <sighs> enjoy these days. I thoroughly enjoyed not seeing the word ad and not seeing like dancing. I like thoroughly enjoyed not like the pressure of not having to do that. Although the funny thing is now I feel like, oh, there's a pressure to be funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone's no, there so- is. <laughs> just feel like everyone's just suddenly got such a brilliant sense of humor and I'm like oh my gosh the pressure is to be funny now yeah yeah but that's kind of positive isn't it like you go on there and I leave feeling quite I don't know there's there's none of that that comes with Instagram sometimes so I really I'm with you I'm with you Amy I love it I said to my husband I was like you have to get on it it's so fun you would love it and he was like I don't think I can handle another account I was like the thing is this feels even more social like, because it's genuinely just people with their everyday. So yeah, I love it. Yes, I'm on there as well. <laughs> Perfect. Everybody, if you're not following Amy, go follow her. She is such good vibes. You're so, I mean, we didn't even touch on it today, but you're so, you have so much wisdom about makeup. We didn't even touch on that, did we? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like that. I, I, the good thing is when all of us, when we're in this industry, we get to try out so much makeup, right? It's, there's, I find there's a new product on my desk all the time. And I feel like that's, it's so nice to be able to share that with people and like how we like using it. Everybody, please go and follow her for that. And I just have so much gratitude today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with me today. Oh, thank you. I've loved this. I really have. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody go slide into her DMs and tell her to make that podcast. <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much Amy and we will talk soon okay you have been listening to a podcast by Kaylee. thank you so much for tuning in today and being on this mission with me to self-improvement and taking steps towards financial empowerment if you liked what you heard today be sure to follow me on the gram at by Kaylee designs where I post pretty much daily I would also love to hear your thoughts, feedback and energy. So please do leave me a review on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you are listening today. In the meantime, I want you to go forward, believe in yourselves and be the change you want to see. Bye guys.